delaying weddings to save up deposits and down payments for homes to a bunch of... Uh, what do you want? Okay, you do better. What the fuck was wrong with that one? Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Episode 12 of KT Confidential. Today we are chatting about millennials and how they are deferring their weddings in order to save money for down payments, among other things. So enjoy the podcast. All right, so we got a big show for you guys today. Big. Big, big, big. There's a few things that I want to talk about. Number one, if you saw recent articles, there's a lot of people talking about millennials and just the younger generations that they might be putting off their weddings in order to save up for a down payment. So I wanted to get your feedback on that. You wanted to chat You never told me that was going to be a topic today. Now I'm completely unprepared. That's what makes a good podcast, my friend. All right. You want to get right into that? I do. I uh, have something to so say about that. So the premise of the article is basically that, uh, you know, younger generations um, can't afford a down payment on the house and to get married, weddings, uh, there was a stat in the article that the average cost of a wedding right now is about $46,000. <clears> and first-time homebuyers or a new couple are wanting to look at options now to defer their wedding and purchase a home instead. You don't have to defer it. Because deferring still means you're spending forty to fifty thousand dollars at some point. It's true. So just make smarter decisions. Alicia and I got married. Okay, ring, which I think costs six grand. Uh, the rest of you it. Cheap prick. <laughs> no, that's a it's a very very nice ring. So ring, uh, dress, an entire wedding. So we did a destination wedding, ten grand. We had 32 people there. 10 grand out of pocket for everything. That's even, I had a custom tailored suit made. So the challenge is with, so I've been to several destination weddings now. Yes. Uh, yours included. Right. And they're nice. They, um, you know, they give the flexibility of people doing their own thing on certain days and actually getting a vacation out of it, <coughs> attending the wedding, making like the whole day is wedding stuff, but it's, it's nice. There's activities, there's nice dinner, dancing by the beach, whatever, right? Beautiful. Um, the challenge is, was there anybody that... Using your wedding as an example, was there anybody? Yes, I know that what you're going to say. Absolutely, my grandmother, and I would have loved for her to be here, be there, and be here, and be there. But she's not worth forty thousand fucking dollars, and she wasn't fronting the money. So may she rest in peace. May she rest in peace. Love her to death. But that's the sacrifice you make. Like people are spending so much money to appease their family and keep with tradition and they're just putting themselves into so much debt see now is this a guy's perspective though or because a lot it's of women it's a sensible think perspective so if you have the money go to town right if mom and dad are paying for it spend every fucking penny they're giving you right but if it's out of your pocket and you're not loaded reconsider what you're doing so and this is what the article kind of discussed and I've had this discussion with several of our uh, 
you know, um, engaged couples and trying to buy a home and all of that. And they really are second guessing because a wedding is a party. It's a party. You're throwing a party for your friends and family. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you're obviously you're uniting each other and, and building your starting your family on paper, I guess. Um, Forty six thousand dollars is the average cost of a wedding right now in the GTA or what the average spend is on a wedding. Mm -hmm. I have friends and clients that I know that they have spent, you know, close to that six figure mark on their wedding. Mm -hmm. And then they forever try and catch up. to. It's like school debt. It's like a school loan. Same idea. People just get in over their head. So... Uh, with the destination wedding, you have different options. So it's not legally binding of getting married there. So you have to bring something back, get it translated, da 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 da. Or you get married here with an officiant before you go, and the ceremony there is more of a formality for people. So that's what we did. So we got married um, at Alicia's family's cottage on the dock, and my older brother was there, and my sister in law. And they made it very nice. They made some nice bouquets and stuff. And she's a photographer, so we got some nice photos. Uh, so that was nice. Uh, they were there to witness the event. And the efficient was like a less than $200. I just think weddings are overrated. So realistically, like that in itself would be sufficient for me. Like I don't need to please everybody else. That's what people are doing. They're trying to... They're trying to outdo their friends or outdo, you know, their brother or their sister's wedding and make theirs the memorable one at the expense of being just sinking in debt. So so you agree, sounds like you agree with, in this case, this article that is saying millennials now yeah. might be deferring. Well, I'm saying don't defer. Fucking get married. Go to town all. Go elope, have a small You're destination so wedding. This is the romantic side. Of That's more in. romantic because it's 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 more about you and your spouse and less about everybody else. Like fuck the rest of them. Let's just go get married. We should have had Jen come in on this. Well, she's getting married in June. I think she's already seventy grand in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. She's making uh, some calls right she's now. She's sweating. But- yeah. Um, She's got like 300 people going to her wedding or something crazy. ridiculous. I'm, I hope she has a good time. On that uh, note. <laughs> on that <laughs> note. Yeah. I just, good friends of mine, uh, they went to City Hall. Like, it's So here's the thing. If you do not currently own a home, you're starting a family, it might be your first, first home, your first time home buyer, you got to look at all of the areas you're spending. Whether it's your wedding, a vacation, some people go on elaborate vacations. You know, you go to Hawaii for two weeks and you spend ten grand on a on a couple vacation. Um, maybe you cut back that honeymoon. Maybe you, you know, maybe you do a destination wedding and combine it where it doesn't cost you as much money. I don't know, but um, you know, the younger generation, millennials, you know, the twenty somethings, the thirty somethings, even that don't currently own a home. I've got to figure out where do we spend less money. We've talked about this before. Spend less, make more, you know, side hustle, 
go to garage sales and flip shit. I don't know, but you got to cut back your costs a little bit in certain areas and spending $46,000 on a wedding when really that's your down payment for the average home in the GTA. It's more. That's really. debatable, but yes, if you're putting 5 to 10% down, well, you yeah. can get away with it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's You could buy home. a car and put a down payment on a house. Now, that might be a bit of a stretch, but... No. Uh, $46,000. So I'd love to hear the input of those that are planning a wedding, getting married, have gotten married, don't own a home. Let's hear this feedback because... Yeah, I'd like to know people that have been through it and have spent the money on it and looking back at it. Yeah. Really, do you think it was worth it? Yeah, do you regret and I'm it? Talking Is there about, you would I'm, do differently? Yeah, I'm talking about people that paid on their own dime for the wedding. Right. And not people... And from a financial perspective. Right. Like, you know, like I think most people spending that, that's like their annual income. So, you know, I'd like to know what they, how they feel about it. And then on the other side, people that have gone other options, would they ever consider redoing it? I don't mean like leaving your spouse and remarrying. I mean, if you could rewind Divorce lawyers cost a whole lot of money, buddy. <laughs> That's a whole yeah. other topic. Yeah. So like I, I would have, if, if I were to redo it, I would have no, I would change nothing. That's like, we talk about school. I think school is, you know, suitable for some people. But I have a whole lot of friends that are, maybe have just finished or are still paying back their college and university debt, mm -hmm. they are struggling to get jobs that are paying them above average income. Well, when I, I dropped out of college, so my story with college was I did one semester and then my second semester, I wasn't really feeling it and I knew I wasn't meant to be there. So I was sitting in the lecture hall during an exam, English exam, and I'm like, I don't fucking write. Uh, essays. So I had to write this big essay. I'm like, I just don't write essays. This isn't me. I don't have any interest in it. And uh, so I left. I took the took the blank exam. I walked down to the front. I handed it in. She's like, oh my God, if you don't do this, you're going to fail. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's okay. I'm done. So I left. And within a couple of years, uh, in car sales at the time, before most of my other uh, uh, my friends that were still in school, um, I was making more than them before they got out than they're still making today. Yeah. So for some people, it's it's good. Uh, like professor, professionals, like obviously engineers and doctors. and Yeah, you want to be a lawyer. Or a lawyers, well, yeah. You have no choice. Yeah. And then there's professional students that just, that's all they do is go to school. Yeah, learn languages. Yeah. And still struggle to, you know, I mean, whatever floats your boat, but is that expense, like there is an, um, uh, th that expense that in time too, right? Like you spend four years of your time in college, mm -hmm. you owe whatever, $100,000 by the time you're done or whatever that number is, I don't know. Better start saving for our kids, huh? And and then what about the opportunity cost? Right. There is that opportunity cost that people don't talk about. Like in that four years, not only are you in debt, 40, 50, 100 grand, but what if you were making 40, 50, 100 grand during those four years? Right. So in your point, 
when when you were in sales, uh, automotive sales, you were making 70, 80, 100 grand. So over that four years, you've you probably made a quarter million dollars. Plus and not then, spent. And then, you know, you don't have that 40, 50, 100 grand debt. The spread is huge. You're talking about three, $350,000. You want to buy a fucking house? Just drop out of school. Get yeah. a job. <laughs> well, Gary Vee says it. Uh, he's a big advocate of that, too. And he said it well. Like some people say, oh, it's for the experience. Like take 20,000 of that and go travel the world for a year. Right. Right. Just that's a better experience. That's life experience. Um, and figure, like, spend those few years just dabbling in different things to figure out what you want to do. The vast majority of people that leave school get into things that are completely unrelated. So, so trending topic right now is millennials cutting back costs on weddings. We're talking about cutting back costs on school potentially um, to advance your real estate dreams, which or anything has been proven Whatever to be a investment. great investment. Yeah. So you wanted to chat uh, about a couple of things as well today. Oh, yeah, just uh, it feels like beating a dead horse. Is that the right metaphor? Depends what you want to beat. Okay. Well, so we've talked about this often. <laughs> so open houses. Um, we're big advocates. Okay, sorry. It's related to open houses, but it has more to do with people that are out doing things on their own without bringing their real estate agent involved in the process earlier. Um, and so last weekend we sold one of our properties that's sold conditionally. Um, we received an offer, trying to think of the dates, whatever, we'll say Thursday night. Okay, on Thursday night, um, we got an offer. So as soon as I got that offer, I called every single person that had come through. We had over 60 showings. Uh, plus people that signed in during open houses. So I call everybody, text, email, send pigeon carriers, like whatever it takes, we reach out to make sure we've done our due diligence to inform everybody. Pigeon carriers, the new Uber. Uh, whatever it takes, man. Uh, so for two reasons. One, we want to make sure everybody has a fair opportunity to buy the house if they want to. And two, we want to get as much money as we can for our clients. So it makes sense to do that. So I did that, managed to get two more offers. So we had three offers. Now we're in multiple offer situation. Um, a day and a half almost goes by. So that was Thursday. So now let's just say this is Saturday morning now. Okay, so lots of time has passed. We've got these three offers total. And we sold the house conditionally that morning. About eight hours later in the evening, I get an email from some random real estate agent. He sends me an offer. I haven't ever spoken with him. He never attempted to call me before he sent the offer. He hasn't shown the house. So I'm like, what the hell? The first thing I thought, I was like, oh shit, did I forget to message somebody? So I dug through all my notes and he hadn't shown the house. So I call him and I find out that his client came through an open house, didn't leave any contact info, so we couldn't follow up with them. And they called him that morning and said they'd like to put an offer. First of all, they should have told him that they were looking a long time ago and he should have called me that morning and he may still have had an opportunity, but he didn't. Like, it's crazy. They just send an offer without calling. So I had a... Hang on, hang on. Oh, I'm sorry. And then about an hour later, I get a phone call from another realtor 
this one, she was professional. She actually called me before doing anything. Uh, so she called me and asked what the status of the house was. She wanted to book a showing, which would have been a second visit for her clients. Her clients came through an open house the weekend before, and they love the house. They want to see it again and then uh, likely put an offer on the house. So I had to let her down, unfortunately, let her know the house is sold conditionally this, that same morning. But same situation was her clients should have informed her that they were actively looking so she could be more involved. Um, because if we have a record of anyone with any degree of interest in the home, we will inform them. So this is a great realtor tip um, as, as a whole, but a similar situation uh, happened, was it last weekend or the weekend before? And this happens on a regular basis. Even when the realtor attends the open house, sometimes they don't leave a card or they don't express interest. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is a lot of realtors will take their clients through during open house times and not schedule a showing. Right. And that's a big mistake. So at my one of my last open houses, the agent came through and I said, um, oh, have you were you a scheduled showing for this afternoon? And he said, no, no, we saw you're having an open house. So we decided just to come during the open house. Well, here's the thing. If he would have booked the showing, he would be up to date on all of the offers that come in. So if that client is interested in that property, that they would have immediate notification of mm -hmm. it. So don't just go to open houses and, you know, fly under the radar because there's two good examples of people that lost out on a potential dream home of theirs that yeah and what's also annoying is when realtors come through open houses and don't actually introduce themselves oh as my a god realtor. you want to start getting me heated let's talk about that realtors that come in through the open house and literally just put their hand out their card like this without shaking hand introducing hi my name is nothing walk around like a miserable fuck like uh, that's bad but i mean literally i've had plenty of people come in and engage with me in conversation and n like no matter what questions i asked it's almost like they were avoiding telling me that they were real estate agents all right it's like dude there's three other people walking around i've been with you for 20 minutes why wouldn't you start off that way yeah you walk into the house hi my name is absolutely i'm with xyz brokerage yeah we should start compiling a list of all of these realtor tips yeah uh, and make a specific i have no interest in helping them well i do i don't i feel like every real estate agent is competition and I hate Did you know all. the new stat uh, just came out? <laughs> There's 76,000 realtors in Ontario. Wow. There's only 12 in Northwest Territories. <laughs> Maybe we should, we should start relocate. doing business up there. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything else on the agenda? So good tip for people looking at open houses and realtors that uh, representing people. Uh, you wanted to talk about home inspections. So... A lot of people don't know. It doesn't actually take much to be certified as a home inspector. Um, so there's definitely... Well, it doesn't take much to be certified as a realtor either. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you see some of the realtors out there that really shouldn't have yeah. gotten their license, but they get their license. Yeah. So there's a lot of home inspectors out there Yeah. just the same. And... I see the difference when 
other realtors are bringing in their home inspectors or their buyers are bringing in their home inspectors yeah. and the reports and, and what they do. But I think a lot of people don't know what exactly happens at a home inspection. What does a home inspector look for? And then what, as a home seller, what can you do in preparation of or in anticipation of having that home inspection completed on your home by right. the potential buyers? So that's what I wanted to kind of chat about. Do you have any tips for sellers or for buyers? I think a big one that I, I know I don't do, and I suspect from um, working with so many homeowners, obviously, that uh, knowing that they don't do it is looking in the attic. Yeah. Well, I posted a Insta story uh, yesterday or the day before. During the winter months, uh, especially when you have rain, a lot of high winds, snow, um, snow that accumulates and then melts. Mm -hmm. It's a great time to pop your head into the attic and just see what's happening up there. Are there any rodents? Like rodents love to hide up there, especially in the winter months. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any leaks, any moisture, any mold? Uh, what's what's happening up there? I go up there probably tw two or three times a year um, just to have a quick peek. You know, you never know what's going on in your attic. So that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, some of the big things I've found in attics are often insulation is covering soffits, so the lack of airflow, which over time causes mold, it's an easy thing to fix uh, if you catch it early. Whereas if you don't, uh, mold in itself isn't often a big deal, but it's a lot more work to remedy after the fact than it is to prevent it. Well, I can tell you it's a big deal to the buyer if their home inspector pops their head up into the attic and 100%. says, hey, there's mold. Yeah. yeah. Good They've luck got keeping that deal together. Or they have huge negotiating leverage, right? Right. Um, even though I think the perception of mold is worse than the reality of it in most cases. Yeah. But as soon as you say mold, um, I think you have tons of leverage. Can easily be remedied. Yeah. We had a shit ton of mold at the cottage. Yeah. You find it, you know, especially in moisture, um, moisture wicking areas. Yeah. Um, or areas that are more susceptible to less breathing. Mm -hmm. um, well, there's uh, some houses we found where the bathroom vent had come disconnected. Yep. So it's every time you're running the, the vent, when you've got your shower going, you're pushing all that moisture into that the attic. That actually happens. Surprisingly, that happens a lot. You know what was really weird in my house once? My last house in Oakville, the townhouse. We were, uh, Alicia was home by herself, and she was having a shower. And she gets out of the shower and the attic hatch was open. It was one of those ones where you've got this big enclosure, like maybe a 12 to 18 inch enclosure, uh, and this styrofoam board more or less that keeps yep. the lid down. So the lid, the entire lid was pushed up like 18 inches and slid over and sitting on top of the box. Sorry about that. I should have replaced it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just creepy as anything. So she called the police. Oh, she, I think I remember, remember this. Yeah, and she was worried that, like, why the hell is that? How does that happen? So the police came, pulls out his gun, goes up the stairs, uh, up the ladder, peeks his head in, in the attic. Nothing there. Happened again, like, a week later. Anyway, it's just my story about attics. So how was it happening? Uh, we believe it was just air pressure. The way the air was flowing through, it created suction and pulled the lid up. Wow. Yeah, random. 
So the other thing people should do to prepare for um, home inspections is actually getting the service servicing done on the furnace, like the HVAC components. Yeah. Shows people that you have properly maintained the home. Make sure your air filter has been changed in the um, in the furnace. Those are must, must, musts. Yeah. Simple things you can do just to make sure that there's no uh, leaks um, under you know, in the vanities, uh, bathroom vanities, and the kitchen counter underneath the sink. It's an easy thing to fix. Um, yep. And make sure everything's accessible for the home inspector. Pull things away from the walls in the basement if possible to, mm -hmm. you know, you're not covering anything up. There aren't any cracks or leaks in your foundation. Um, test so your sump pump. Test your sump pump. If you have one. And cracks, basement cracks, foundation cracks. That's another thing that's, I think, overrated or people get really con can get really concerned about it perhaps especially like a first-time home buyer they're usually pretty easy to fix i had one in our basement it was pretty big yeah um but i wanted to obviously get it corrected before we finished the basement and uh, there's a couple of great um systems right now but the epoxy uh epoxy fill for those cracks does a great job yeah fills it up you're talking four to five hundred bucks a crack are you smirking because I said filling the, the crack? Filling the crack. Filling yeah. the crack. Yeah. So, on the other side with the home inspectors, do you have any tips to picking a good home inspector? I think you got to. How do, do you? Do I mean, how do you? How do you? I mean, I would say rely. Hopefully, rely on your realtor. Yep. Um, if you've got a good realtor, most of them will have a good yeah, home inspector. Yeah, we've gone too. through various ones and kind of filtered through, and we have. Uh, a, s a small selection of people that we typically go to. I think uh, one thing that's nice uh, in the people we're using now that the other ones didn't always offer was things like the infrared cameras, um, a lot more technology, moisture meters. Yep. Yeah, having the technology, especially if you have a finished basement, uh, um, infrared can potentially help you detect an existing crack that you may not otherwise know about until maybe it's or too moisture. late. Yeah, or moisture. Yep. So. Things like that are good. You want somebody that has the right tools, um, somebody that's going to be diligent enough to be able to actually get up and look on the roof, whether it's physically, which most people don't do, but a lot of people now will have that really long extending pole with the camera on it. I've heard of people using drones. Um, and then there's some others that don't do as good of a job and they just walk, well, and maybe not as, not as thorough, but they might walk like, 50 yards back and get their binoculars out. So they might miss something versus somebody that's getting right in there. Yeah. And now like home stars, um, you know, you get a lot of reviews, Google reviews. So get reviews, get um, potentially um, referrals from people that have used home inspectors and have had good experiences. Mm -hmm. um, but again, a good realtor will have a good home inspector or two that they can recommend. Yeah. You shouldn't always rely on that, though, because... Oh, you never know. Maybe they're getting compensated for the referral. Yeah. I mean, our policy is any referrals on to our team like that that we take or give out, there are no, there's no compensation for anybody. We mm -hmm. don't accept any. Um, but there are a lot of realtors out there that, you know, they'll get a kickback of X amount of dollars from their painter or from their home inspector or whatever. Yeah. That's very common in the mortgage industry. Yeah. Legally, those have to be disclosed, by the way. So if you're buying or selling and 
a realtor is getting a kickback of some kind, they yeah. have to legally disclose that to you. Yeah. Anyways, we're uh, chatting about a lot of different things today. I think that's it. Episode, what episode is this? 12. Episode 12, Kitty Confidential. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed episode 12 of KT Confidential. Uh, if you did, make sure you like the podcast and comment. Let us know what you thought. And if you haven't already, be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you happen to be listening.